We are on Ksubis, about to begin Mem Amaral from the bottom of Lama Tesem Bay's 39B3 in the Arts World Gemara as we begin the second to last page, the second to last daf of this third parak as we move along through this Mesefta, this tractate of Ksubis. Uh, we are continuing on with the Mishnah. The Mishnah was discussing differences between a case of Ones and a case of Mefate. Essentially, there's two different cases involving a girl who is between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half. And the Mishnah said one of the differences is that if it's a rape, ma'anes, if it's a case of a rape, so then if she wants to and the father wants to, again, this is only if they want to, and um, it, it used to be that, um, not that it was common, but it was an opportunity that uh, we give her so that uh, in case she's not able to get married to anybody else, uh, and she wants to, so then she can marry this uh, person uh, that that uh, caused her to have this um, devastating um, event and that would impact the rest of her life. Uh, so we give her the opportunity to marry him. And so he does not have a say if she wants it and the father wants it. So then he would, the guy would have to marry her. However, it's a case of being seduced as a girl between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half. So then he has, the, he has the option of backing out. Even if she wants it and her father wants it, he has the opportunity to back out. So the Gemara asks, Says, I don't understand. We have various connections between the case of a rape and the case of being seduced, such as the fact that it's 50 shekel. We learn from one from the other to say that the knas, the fine, is 50 shekel. Uh, so then so too over here, when it comes to the the requirement uh, to marry the girl, assuming the girl wants it, uh, this should be the same, whether in, in both cases it should really be the same. And just like when it comes to a case of a rape, so then he would be forced into it, he would have to marry her. So too when it comes to a case of being seduced, we should say that uh, he has to be uh, he he has to marry her. So the Gemara answers no. Amar Kra Mahor Imarenu Lo Liisha Lo Midaita. Gemara answers that no. There is a pasuk. There is a verse which tells us to differentiate between a case of ones when it comes to a case of ones. Tosos already elaborates. One of the classic commentators on the page already elaborates and says that when it comes to a case of a rape, we know that it could be forced because the verse also tells us that they cannot get divorced. They cannot get divorced, that uh, he's forced to stay married to her and cannot divorce her. However, when it comes to being seduced, the verse says explicitly uh, that, uh, that, he should, that she should be a wife for him, for him lo midaito. It has to be for him with his consent, that he has to agree to it, and it's only with his consent. And so therefore, this is one of the differences between a case of a rape and the case of a seduction, of being seduced. Okay. The Gemara now uh, continues with the rest of the Mishnah. Um, the Mishnah then said that in a case, and this is how some of the commentators explain the rest of the Gemara, but in a case where, let's say, the person uh, raped a, a girl that he's not allowed to marry anyways. Let's say he's not to marry her because, let's say, it's a relative or, let's say, it's not even a case of a relative, but let's say it's an ordinary negative commandment. Um, so let's say somebody who cannot, like a, a mamzer. Well, let's say she's a, she's a mamzeres, so nobody can marry her anyways. 
and there's a prohibition to marry her, or other cases where it's a negative commandment, like a Kohen to somebody who's divorced. Uh, so then we say that they cannot, they cannot get married. They're not allowed to get married, even though in general we would force it upon him, assuming that you would want it. But in such a case, we would not let them get married. So the Gemara asks a very interesting question. The question is, why don't we say, there is a principle, a principle that we've seen, for those of you who have been following uh, with, uh, with Yevamos, we've seen this before in Mesechus Yevamos, in Tractate Yevamos, there's a principle, that essay dochelosase, essentially, when you have a situation, interesting, various situations where this comes up, where uh, one is put into a situation where they could either perform a positive commandment, like in this case, it would be a mitzvah, a positive commandment for this person to marry the girl. However, at the very same time, he would violate the negative commandment of, let's say, marry, marrying a mamzeres, uh, a, a woman, a girl of, of the ages of, between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half, of, of, who's a mamzer, she's a mamzer, she's the child of an illicit relationship, which results in her being a mamzer. So he's performing a mitzvah. At the same time, there's a negative commandment. He's also violating a negative commandment. So what should he do? Should he perform the mitzvah and at the same time violate the negative commandment? Or should he just do nothing? He will not fulfill the mitzvah, but he also will not fulfill the negative commandment. So the rule is, the principle is that no, do the mitzvah and at the same time, you will quote-unquote violate. If we tell you to do it, so then it's hard to say that uh, you are violating the negative commandment, but either the, the negative commandment is totally pushed aside or we tell you to violate it anyways because... Uh, we want you to perform the mitzvah. So what, in this case also, why does the Mishnah say that uh, that you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't get married? You should get married because there's a positive commandment that should override the negative commandment. What is this idea? What's the logic behind the positive commandment overriding a ne- negative commandment? So the Ramban, Nachmanides on the Torah, explains uh, that a positive commandment re- reflect our love to Hashem. We want to actively go and serve Hashem, serve God. That pushes aside to, to follow and not violate the negative commandments. So that's out of fear and awe, really out of awe of Hashem. And so the positive commandment overrides the negative commandment because our love of Hashem should override the awe. We should, we should, we should serve Hashem in it's an ideal form out of love and not out of fear slash awe. And so therefore, the positive commandment overrides the negative commandment. So in the end of the day, why don't we say that in our case? We don't say that, but why not? So answers the Gemara. Omar Li. So if Kahana responds back, Essentially, this is how some, there's different ways to understand this line. It's a very complicated line. But let's say Rashi and the embellishment of Rashi from others is that in this case, there's a way to get out of it. There's a way to get out of it. In general, in a case where we're stuck, you could either perform the positive commandment and also violate the negative commandment. So let's say, for example, um, a person wants to perform mila, a bris mila on a baby, but the baby also has in the place of the mila, where the circumcision will take place, there's tsaras. And there's tsaras is a spiritual disease uh, that somewhat resembles leprosy. Uh, there's a negative commandment to remove tsaras. But a person needs to have a bris. They need to have a circumcision. So you're stuck. There's nothing else that you can do. You can't get around it. So we tell you, go ahead, perform the bris milah, perform the mitzvah of milah, and even though it will violate a negative commandment. However, in this case, there's a way to get out of it. If she just says, I don't want to marry him, there's no mitzvah. So we'll tell her. Uh, just say that you don't want to marry him. 
So the, the, this is what Rashi says, and they embellish upon this, and they say, well, what if she, she really wants to marry him? So then we, we sort of force her, and we say, listen, in this case, you don't really want to marry him, because then he will violate a negative commandment. And so we, we, try to, we really try to force her to say that she doesn't want to marry him, so that we basically get out of the problem. It's a way of getting out of the problem by saying this is, there's, no really, there's no existence of a mitzvah in this case anyway. So it's a very interesting answer. We try to get out of it, or a different way of saying it is that we fulfill both, perhaps, that's the language of the Rambam, Maimonides. If we're able to fulfill both, where um, where uh, it, it's it's not a violation of a negative commandment, and also if she says that she doesn't want to marry him, so then that would solve that issue. So then it's like you're fulfilling both. So we have a way out. That's that is the answer of the Gemara. Okay, that concludes that section of the Gemara. We are now up to the next Mishnah. Again, this is uh, the second to last page of of this chapter as we uh, continue on discussing uh, these different scenarios and different cases of either a rape or a seduction of a girl between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half. Says the Mishnah. Next Mishnah. We will read the Mishnah and the commentary of the Gemara and then in the next class we will begin a new Mishnah. The Mishnah says, you so much in his arsav and his garsha. What happens if you have the following case? An orphan. She's, she was an orphan. Right, her her father passed away, um, and it seems like it's the same case. Who also was previously engaged, and then got divorced. The Gemara will explain, just to clarify things, that we're actually referring to, let's say, two different cases. One is a case where she is an orphan. If she's an orphan, so then in general, uh, the knas, the fine, and also the payment of of the different the embarrassment and the humiliation. Um, uh, and her lowering of her value, all that is given to her father. However, she's an orphan and there is no father, so then it goes to her. And so the same thing is true. The point of the mission is to tell us the same thing is true when, uh, if let's say her father's alive, but in, she was already previously engaged and was divorced, so then it's like she uh, is under her own jurisdiction and she receives the fine. This is something that we've discussed in the past. We had a mission that discussed this in the past, a three-way um, argument about whether there is no fine in such a case where she was previously engaged. Again, she she has to be a virgin. She has to be a basula, but a case where she was previously engaged and then got divorced. Um, so there was a three-way argument as to whether or not there is no fine whatsoever. Maybe there is a fine and it still goes to the father. Or like our Mishnah, there's a third opinion of Rabbi Akiva that says the, there is a fine, but it goes to her. So the same issue comes up here and Rabbi Lazar Omer, Rabbi Lazar says, Ha'ones chayev. Since it goes to her, so therefore there's another difference between a case of a rape and a case of a seduction. When it's a rape, that was against her control. So then you have to pay, the guy has to pay the money to her. Uh, there's an obligation to pay to her. But if it's a case of a seduction and, it, and it's supposed to go to her, well, if it's a case of a seduction, she wanted it. She wanted it the whole time. So it's like she was foregoing any payment. Uh, this is what she wanted. So, uh, so therefore... There is no payment in such a case. And so this is another difference, at least according to this one position of Rabbi Lazar, where the Gemara is going to explain, it's also the position of Rabbi Akiva, that this is a case where the fine is given to her, uh, but that it, once it's given to her, there's a difference whether it's a rape or whether it's a seduction. If it's a rape, it goes to her. If it's a seduction, that's what she wanted. She wanted to enter into this relationship, and therefore there is no fine whatsoever. There's no payment whatsoever. So says the Gemara what we essentially said. Rabbi Lazar, his Rebbe, his teacher was 
was uh, Rabbi Akiva. Rashi even refers us back to the story of Rabbi Akiva and his 24,000 students who, were, who, who died uh, because they, they didn't respect each other. They didn't have proper respect and care for each other to be the ones who really carry on the Misora, the tradition that we have. And as such, uh, they died. And then Rabbi Akiva was left with five students. And so one of his five students was this Rabbi Lazar. And so Rabbi Lazar is following the position of Rabbi Akiva, the Amar, Yeshla Knasu Knasal Atzma, that she receives a fine, and it goes to her. It doesn't go to the father. Mimai, how do we see this from the Mishnah? Midikatani Yisoma Rabbi Lazar Amar Hanitz Machayev and Fata Pater Yisoma Pshita. If we're only discussing the case of an orphan, the case of an orphan where she's an orphan, this law is obvious. Obviously, the fine goes to her. The father is out of the picture. He passed away. So obviously it goes to her. That can't be the point of the Mishnah. That's something which is obvious. Rather, that this girl who was previously engaged, let's say by the father, but then they got divorced. And so now she's like she's an orphan in the sense that she's under her own jurisdiction. She's belongs to uh, to herself. She's within her own jurisdiction. And finally, the Gemara concludes, Amr Abzera, Amr Rabba Barashila, Amr Hamnuna Saba, Amr Vada Barahava, Amr Rav, all these rabbis in the name of Rav says, who do we follow? In the end of the day, we had this three-way argument. Is there no fine whatsoever? Is there a fine, but it still goes to the father? In the case, again, this is all in a case where she was previously engaged, a halachic engagement, but uh, never was, never had sexual relations and was never had f- completed it with the marriage. Um, and then they got divorced. One opinion is that there is no fine whatsoever. Another opinion is that there's a fine, but it goes to the father, like any other regular case. Uh, and then there's this opinion of our Mishnah, and the position of, of Rabbi Akiva is that it should go to her. And so we follow that position. Rab says, Allah Rabbi Lazar, we follow that third position that there is a fine and it goes to her. Kali Rav Aled Rabbi Lazar, Rav refers to Rabbi Lazar with the title of Tovina de Chakime. He's the most fortunate of, uh, of the Chachamim. Of the sages, that's uh, that's the praise uh, that he is given. Okay, this concludes uh, this uh, Mishnah and the Gemara, and we'll continue in the next class, next year, with the next Mishnah.